Okay, boys, are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Bedtime Story Adventure 2018, Chapter 20. A little way offshore, there was a little more movement in the water. James kicked harder toward the pier, gently rising and falling in the two-foot swell. He tried to keep his hands out of the water. His feet were already going numb with cold. The broken structure of the West Pier loomed near. Long, rusting girders stuck straight up out of the water directly ahead of him. The sky was turning a lighter grey. James scanned the top of the pier for silhouettes of cormorants. He was getting close to the nearest girders. They were bigger than he thought, and he kicked his feet to keep clear. Then he saw it. Moulded into one of the large support girders at the corner of the pier was a familiar shape. The strange, fishy, squiddy face of the squiducken stared out into the sea just above the surface. James headed straight for it. On top of the corner post was a large bird, a cormorant twice the size as the one he'd spoken to on the beach. Its head was tucked low into its chest plumage. Excuse me, James said, treading water to keep his board still. Are you old Joe? Aye, the bird said without moving at all. That is me. I wanted to ask about the rats, James said, if you wouldn't mind. And what if I did mind, boy? Would you leave me alone then? James hesitated. If he said yes, then the bird might call his bluff. If he said no, the bird might think he was rude. He decided to treat the question as rhetorical. The rats have made a cable, James said, to connect to the wind farm. Have you heard them? Aye, they make a racket. Have you noticed anything else about the rat's behaviour? The old bird paused and slowly turned its beak downward to point at James. You know what that symbol is, boy. On the pier, the bird said. It's a squiducken, James said, or at least that's what I know it as. It marks entrances to the Wellsbourne Caverns under Brighton. It means there's an entrance under where you're sitting. Aye, it does, the bird nodded slowly. Under this pier there's caverns too, all connected. Used to be a time when the door under me was used aplenty by shiprats smuggling their treasures. But now it's all but forgotten. Have the rats been using it recently? James asked. Not quite, no. The bird shook its beak slowly from side to side, like the sweep of a treasure hunter's metal detector. They haven't been seaside at all. I don't think the city rats know about the smugglers' roots but they've been clanging further back toward the shore the most. I can feel it through the pier. Funny thing, though, today the clanging stopped. Means I can finally get some rest. And then you turned up and ruined it. Sorry, James said. I'll leave you to sleep. No sleep now. It's too light. Gotta get out early and catch the fish while they doze. The great bird hopped forward off the pier, and at the last minute stretched out its wings and swooped low over James's head, then landed gently in the water next to him. 
It pushed its beak forward into the water, smoothly, its body following, leaving the surface flat as if the bird was never there. James caught a glimpse of the black bird swimming fast under his board. It turned toward the corner of the pier, swimming a metre down and circling the girder under the face of the squiducken. And James saw it. Below the surface, the girder widened, looking more like an old-fashioned phone box, but made of solid metal, with a door directly below the squiducken. Then the bird went deeper, and James lost sight of it. He felt cold and started kicking back toward the beach. After a minute of swimming, he looked back and saw the bird back on its perch, wings outstretched, drying in the weak winter sunlight. Back on the beach, Jenny was ready with a towel. Getting out of the water felt good, but after he took off the wetsuit and started to dry, James realised how cold he really was. Even once he was dry and had all his clothes back on, he felt a cold glow from his skin. He found it hard packing his swimming stuff away, his fingers were not properly working, and his feet were completely numb. There was over an hour before the rest of the gang arrived. Jenny decided they needed to get warm, so the two children walked past the I-360 to a coffee shop on the far side. They sat and Jenny ordered two hot chocolates. When the drinks came, James held the hot mug with both hands while he shivered under his coat and hat. So there's a door to the caverns out on the pier? Jenny asked. Yeah, I saw it, James said. Think you were right. Not sure how useful that really is. Well, you spoke to old Joe and he might have said something more important. Jenny sipped her drink. And at least we know where the rats have done a lot of their work. And that they finished now. James cradled the drink to his chest, then had a sip. It was warm and sweet and milky and delicious. They stayed in the cafe until just before ten. Then they walked back to the other side of the I-360, to the beach in front of the gallery. Hugo was already there, notebook out and pen ready. James and Jenny, he said, writing into the book. Anyone else here yet? James asked. Wilf and Laurie just went down to the sea. Hugo said. And Eleanor is here with her dad. They just went into the gallery. James looked over and saw that the light was on inside. Okay, Jenny said. We need to move as soon as Eleanor's dad goes swimming. Anyone arriving late will have to wait until we're out. It would be worth having some people check the other arches, James said, gesturing to the other shops either side of the gallery. They all might have access to the caverns. Hugo, can you coordinate that? You mean I don't have to go into the dark underground caves? Hugo said. Thank goodness. James breathed an inward sigh of relief. The idea of Hugo trying to quietly creep around without disturbing rat soldiers was worrying him. Five minutes later, Wilf and Laurie were back from the water, and Noah, Frank, Roscoe, Fred, Elsie, Joanne and Millie were all gathered round ready for action. Did you come up with a way we can protect ourselves? James asked Wilf. Yep, Wilf said. I did some testing and bought these. He held out five small metal whistles. What good will they do against a massive rat with a sword? Jenny said, shaking her head. They work, Laurie said. Our rats hate them, you'll see. Okay, James got everyone's attention. Once we're inside, we stick together and don't make any noise. Once we found the cable, we'll have to work out how to disable it. Don't do anything silly, Jenny added. If you spot something weird, tell me and James first. 
Everyone nodded. Eleanor came running over. Daddy's just about ready, she said. I've got the key. As soon as he's in the water, I'll let you in. She ran back over to the gallery, and moments later, her dad came out, dressed in wetsuit trousers, holding a pair of fins. They heard him say bye to Eleanor, then he strolled past them and down to the water's edge. When he was in the water and swimming out towards a boy, they ran over to the gallery. Wait out here, James said. I'll check for the entrance. Eleanor opened the door and James went through to the toilet. Inside was a toilet and a small basin, surrounded by shelves filled with frames and pictures. He quickly searched the small space and found nothing. Where was the door? Where had the rat come from? He checked the floor. It felt solid and was covered in some kind of lino. In one corner, he found it. The lino was curved upwards where it didn't quite fit properly. James pulled the edge and it rolled back to reveal an old wooden trapdoor. It had a circular pull handle, like a door knocker, set into the wood at one end. Carved into the handle was a small shape. A squiducken. He lifted the handle. Underneath was a small keyhole. He rummaged down the neck of his t-shirt and pulled out the squiducken key, fitted it into the keyhole and turned it. The lock clicked and he heaved the heavy trapdoor up until it rested on the edge of the toilet behind him. Under the trapdoor was a dark hole. He took his torch out of his pocket and shone it down into the hole to reveal a set of iron rungs set into a brick tunnel. He couldn't see the bottom, but he knew what was down there. A series of sewers, tunnels, chambers, and a huge river. This was an entrance into the Wellsbourne Caverns.